This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast in Off the Post, which is our special kind of show that we do when we get loads and loads, when we get too many emails to read out on the main Monday night show. Uh, me and JK do a bit of overtime uh, and do this show. And of course, in Off the Post was uh, the uh, the letters page of uh, a, a, a kind of a, a well, a long time ago, the the kind of the official Chelsea magazine. So. Uh, there you go, a little bit of Chelsea history for you now, apart from me, your old uncle Stamford Chidge. I do have the finest voiceover artiste of his generation. You don't, you you know, really, on the commercial market, this would be costing me thousands of pounds to have this bloke read them out. And he turns up on a Monday and he does it for free because he's so lovely, Mr. Jonathan I, Kidd. I pay you, don't I, Chidge? Yes, I you that's do, that's right, that's yeah. in the contract. Yeah, good, good, yeah. Hello, I'm going to read it tonight as that old bloke because I like his voice. Okay. <laughs> Do what you like, mate. Anyway. He's, the bloke. he's the bloke. He used to be at the game when I was little. He'd stand in front of me in the shed and the ball would be just booted up the pitch and he'd say, that's, that's more like it. That's more play. like it. Yeah. There we go. So we've got, Jonathan, we've got, as I said, I mean, the reason we're doing an in-off-the-post special is that we have so many, so many emails this week, which is absolutely brilliant. And... Uh, I do. I, I mean, you know, it never ceases to amaze me. We get so many, and also they're all from all over the world. Anyway, the first one, as always, uh, befalls to you, uh, Mr. John Morgan. Uh, his name's John Morgan. I'm not John Morgan. Um, hi, Jidge. Hi, Jidge. Jidge. I call you Jidge. It's a good Be name. Be very for... careful how you say that. Yes, very, very careful. Jidge. Jidge. Judge Jidge. Hey, Jidge. Hey, Jidge. Hi, enough, thank you. Hi, Jidge. Jonathan et al. Nobody got al here. Sorry, terrible joke. Hi, Chidge, Jonathan et al. I've listened avidly to the 50 years of Chelsea podcast. I'm looking forward to listening to the next few seasons, which coincide with the period I was a regular attendee and season ticket holder at the bridge. I started following the Blues when I was a student at Imperial College. I, I used to play for Imperial College um, on uh, the weekends, occasionally at the uh, the grounds, because uh, they, they shared the grounds with the, with the Blues. It was the same pitch. Um, 
the training area. Anyway, I digress. Although I'm not that big, um, uh, me neither. I was quite a handy rugby player in my student days, would turn out for one of the university teams most weeks. At the time, yes, at the time Chelsea trained at the Imperial College Sports Ground at Arlington. Yes, where I played. And if we were at home and got the first bus out, we sometimes got to meet the players on a Wednesday afternoon. I didn't do that at the weekend if Chelsea were away and the players were catching the team coach one week whilst at the loose end I decided to go to the bridge which was Joe Allen's and I think Paul Elliott's debut it was a 2-2 draw with Wimbledon the next day I met some friends who said they were going to the Notts County match on the following Wednesday it was my first introduction to textbook Chelsea comedy defending <laughs> as I remember Besant running out of his area colliding with a defender and leaving the Notts County striker to tap it into an empty net. I think we've seen that one recently. We Chichen. have, we have, yeah. On the, on the, it's on the, it's on YouTube on the, on the videos there for the the seasons. Um, um, what do you call it? Um, Chelsea came back again to draw two two, and by then I was hooked. There were a lot of two two draws that season, including with Everton and Liverpool. As I remember it as well, there was a heroic comeback away to QPR. I watched that game in one of QPR's main stands. When QPR scored, it seemed like only about four people in the back and cheered, which I loved them a bit. Yes, absolutely. I was there as well. Absolutely agree with that. I remember that. Um, when QPR got their second, I remember a rain of gob falling on the poor fans in front. Not very pleasant and quite embarrassing. Anyway, when Wise scored the equaliser in injury time, it was bedlam and a little pitch invasion ensued. Oh, God, that was, I remember that game really well. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, I have digressed for too long to get to the point of my email. Whilst I was at Imperial playing rugby, I would often chat with the groundsman during the aftermatch beers. He was very keen to tell me about Mickey Hazard, who he said was probably the most talented player Chelsea had playing for them for years, as in fact we've been talking about on the, uh, the 50 years of Chelsea. He told me that he always mucked about in training, never applied himself, and would fade during games on a Saturday and get subbed. So this might give a little bit of insight into Jonathan's memories of how good he was and why he was always being subbed. Yes, I can't really comment because I never saw him play for Chelsea, but the groundsman was a Chelsea fan and went most weeks and he didn't seem to have an axe to grind. He was more disappointed with Hazard than anything else. Yeah. There was also a story about players not really warming to Glenn Hoddle, David Lee in particular, but I don't remember the detail too well. In fact, in fact, um, John, there's a very good article by um, a chapter by um, um, Cascarino in um, uh, Tony Cascarino in his book, where he says that when he, when Hoddle joined, they had a kind of training um, exercise where Hoddle would, uh, or the player would stand in the middle and have to volley the ball back to the players around him, which Hoddle set up. And of course, none of the players could do it except Hoddle could do it. Hoddle was the only person who could do it who would stand in the middle and volley the ball back and keep the ball in the air and then shake his head and wander off when the rest, <laughs> when all the other players failed. So uh, that didn't endear him to the players. He was like, he was like that with England too, wasn't he? Remember he, he belittled Beckham. Yes. Who, let's yes. face it. It's one of the best strikers of a ball of his generation, but Hoddle had to be better. Had, yeah. It had to be better. There was this huge competition. If he was covered in but... chocolate. He'd lick himself, mate. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a terrible image of his arsehole. <laughs> Not his chocolate starfish, <laughs> mate. Yes. Another memory from around that time that's worth retelling was during the season when Porterfield was sacked. 
We were second around Christmas and struggling against relegation towards the end of the season during that dismal run of something like 17 games without a win. Oh, I remember it so well. There was a particularly dreary performance and defeat, nil one, I think, against Villa. At the end of the game, the Tano reported a supporter's wife had just given birth. The man behind me exclaimed, the poor bastard, not only has he had to watch that shit, now he's got to go home and cook his own tea. <laughs> Keep up the good work and up the chels, John. Mm. Good stuff, John. Lovely mail. Sorry, I kept I kept preempting what you were about to say about Hazard and about Imperial. But um, but yeah, yeah. So uh, good memories. I'm glad you're enjoying the um, the 50 years. Thanks very much because they're they're very good fun to do. Other than the trauma of reliving some of these experiences that we had at the time, it's great when you. You remember something like the Rangers game there. I remember that very well. But having said that, it's brought back hugely by by doing the uh, the 50 years. So uh, so thank you. I'm, I'm pleased you like it. Thank you very much. Yeah, they're great fun. I I'm, I feel awful. I, I, we've kind of, you know, for various reasons, uh, they've gone on hold at the moment. Uh, my schedule has changed a bit, which makes them a bit difficult. to do. I'm trying to work it out, but I've still got two. I've got a bloody edit and put out, which I feel terrible for, but I'm... I'm ridiculously busy at work at the moment, but we'll get there. And there's still quite, there's still plenty to go. We've, got, we've still got most of the 90s to do. And then I think it'd be remiss of us to stop there. You know, we'll end up at the end of the season. We'll be kind of be like back to the future. We'll be back where we were. It'll be very confusing, but I'm up for it because they are great fun and it does bring back. We could then do memories. a fictitious one, couldn't we, Chidge, about what we'd like We'll next do the tw- 20, yeah, 50 years of Chelsea plus one. We'll do the 20, yeah, 20, 20, 20 21, 22 season. When we win the title and the Champions yeah, League. Yeah, we could do. We could make it all up. It'd be brilliant, wouldn't yeah, it? We yeah, we could. Well, wow. why not? All right, we've got one here from... This is short, and I wouldn't say it was sweet. It's quite acerbic. Uh, it's from the lovely Ryan Goodliffe, who says, Evening, chaps. Uh, Virgil van Dijk had his ACL done by an atrocious tackle today, Saturday. Imagine your best defender in fucking forever gets their leg completely mashed by a reckless challenge. Have that, you shitbags, and long live Paul Elliott. It too, took two decades, but I'm injecting it. <laughs> Most sincere than an inmate on death row, Ryan in Sussex. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, there's, yeah, I, I, you know what? I can, I, I, there's a very large part of me which feels that totally, you know, because what, what Dean Saunders did to Paul Elliott, which we, I don't think we've got to in our 50 years yet, but what he did, yeah. what he did to Paul Elliott was just borderline criminal. In fact, actually, Paul Elliott did mount a, a very hefty legal battle, didn't he? Because it ended his career, uh, which failed, by the way, which shows how difficult it is to to kind of prosecute something like that that happens on a football pitch. It wasn't helped by Bates, though, was it? Who apparently was, was, was considered an unreliable witness. No I, shit, I, Sherlock. I remember correctly. Um, but I was present there. I was doing a filming a TV series in Glasgow and I... Um, I had the day off the Sunday, Saturday and Sunday. And in fact, I was rehearsing on the Saturday morning and I tried to get there for, for the start of the game. Um, I drove down to Liverpool from Glasgow and I got there uh, about 20 minutes late and uh, and just had to go and buy a ticket. So I actually ended up in the cop standing there, in the cop ends were standing and I was there in time to see the, the, the tackle. And I remember saying rather stupidly loudly next to the bloke next to me, uh, uh, I think that was uh, trying to put on a bit of an accent, you know. I think that was uh, it looked a bit deliberate to me. And uh, and this bloke said to me, "Yeah, he said, Are you a fucking Chelsea fan?'" He said to me, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, 
ah, perhaps I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that looked a bit deliberate. I should have said, oh, that was nasty or something like that or whatever. Or, oh, or not said anything at all and just accepted it. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the cop. And you could see that he stamped on him. Yeah. It was absolutely bizarre. And they've even got the television the, the television evidence of it. And he looks to me as if he stamps on him. So I don't get how, how he never he never won his case. I never got how Saunders... Well, because it, I think that's the point. It's really hard to prosecute something that happens on a football pitch. You know, they've got to prove intent and all this kind of thing. And it, it's very, very grey. And I mean, yeah, the law yeah, doesn't work. He could have said he stepped on me accidentally yeah, yeah. or whatever. He just fell apart. But but knowing knowing the the player as we did, who was a little bit of a of a, a competitive bastard, it was, it was uh, a shit bag. Yeah, they're, they're, well, Paul no punches here. Yeah, yeah. I think if David Speedy had done it, we wouldn't have been saying, uh, "Oh, it was a mistake." We'd have gone, "Ah, David, you shouldn't have done that." Knowing the uh, knowing the players previous, but uh, but yeah, it was. Um, so that is yeah. Uh, but, but but times have changed, haven't they? It's. It's everybody's in love with uh, with Liverpool and Van Dijk. But so, I, I, I I do think uh, I do think that you know I think there'd be a, there's a large will in football to not have people trying to sue you for for you know GBH or whatever you want to call it because that you know things happen on a football pitch in the heat at the moment you know it, you could just see it all going. Very, very south. I mean, what I would say, this might surprise you here. I mean, I, I you know, much as I hate Liverpool, uh, I, w- I wouldn't wish... I thought what, what, what uh, Pickford did was horrendous, actually. Absolutely horrendous. He, he clearly went to take him out. Clearly, which is appalling. Why never got sent off for that? I will never know. It was, uh, it was really confusing. Somebody put forward a theory on Twitter that, oh, no, they don't award... It was an offside, so he couldn't be sent off. And you go... Of course, they could think what? What's that? So you could commit mayhem whenever, wherever, wouldn't make any difference as long as as long as there've been some other fouls. So, mm-hmm. in other words, a player could deliberately walk offside and then go and kick somebody, and he'd somehow be inured. He wouldn't be able to be uh, to be punished. But yeah, of course, I don't know how VAR missed that. It was absolutely weird, wasn't it? What what are they looking at? I think they were saying their excuse was he was looking at the offside, so he missed the foul. I mean, it was part of it, surely. Surely the picture, surely you look forward. Surely there are other people watching with, with the one referee in uh, in Broccoli Park, wherever it is. Surely there are others with them who will watch, you know. Mm. All right. Anyway, our next email uh, is uh, is from South Africa, mate. This is brilliant. From Nayash Manyumwa. Nayash Manyumwa. Nayash Manyumwa. Um, hi, Chidge and the gang. There is a pattern emerging I've noticed every time we fail to play up to standard. Individual errors is the cry of a lot of the Chelsea contingent when attempting to explain why we drop points. I'm not saying this is wrong in the bigger picture, but in the case of the Southampton game specifically, Lampard simply got outcoached. And I say that with a heavy heart. I think it's what we were just talking about. Well, we talked about in the uh, the other show. And we played some superb football for about 20 minutes in the first half. But the same can't be said for the rest of the game. Take these individual errors away. What you're left with still is a Southampton team that kept us pinned in our own half for nearly all of the second half. Yes, absolutely. We have to ask ourselves, if the Saints had the same quality of player we're blessed with in our squad, can any Chelsea fan say with a straight face, we wouldn't have lost that game? Yes, the schoolboy mistakes cost us goals, but ultimately it was clear Hassan Huttle's plan on the day. Hassan Huttle. Yeah, Hassan 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 Huttle. Yes, Hassan Hassan Huttle. 
uh, on the day was just better than Frank's, and it wasn't the mistakes alone that cost us. It was our complete inability to deal with Southampton's high press and our poor game management. This falls on the manager, unfortunately. Dun, 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 dun. Of course, Frank can't legislate for Zuma turning into Harry Maguire for a second. Kepper, well, being Kepper, and Havertz stupidly dribbling into traffic in a dangerous area, but the game is played in 90 minutes. And for the majority of those 90, the Saints bossed us, if we're being truly honest, and fair play to them. Anyway, keep the blue flag flying high, regardless, from Nyash in South Africa. I don't think the Saints bossed us for 90 minutes, though, Nyash. I think I think we were, until, until Ings scored in 41, I thought we were all over them, actually. I think it was the second half that uh, he tweaked and Frank was um, was uh, um, slightly worryingly absent in response. I'm afraid to say, um, yes, I, indeed. I do. I uh, do think you know. Sorry, Joe. Do you, you, you have something else to say then? Sorry. No, no, you no, can't. No. Well, I, I do think you know we. <laughs> We're all guilty of this to an extent, aren't we? We only ever look at our team playing. We don't, uh, you know, we don't often recognise that we're playing against a team that can that is allowed to play well. Yeah. And I think you know, Hassan Hootel did a did a good tactical number in the second half. They were clearly buoyed by the fact that they just scored that. It's a great time to score a goal uh, just before you know the half-time whistle, particularly if you're two 0 down. You know, the, the third goal at that stage is crucial we score the third goal it's game over they ain't coming back but uh, you know 2-0 they scored to make it 2-1 their their half-time talk is a completely different talk than it would have been at 2-0 down or of course 3-0 you know and they were really hyped up for it Hassan Hooter thought right get into them press high they don't look comfortable on the ball at the back we know this and we can overrun them in the midfield and he did that and he did very very well I I still think we talked about this on, on the Monday night show I cannot understand, you know, why if Jody and uh, uh, Frank were saying, you know, whether it was at half time, which I suspect it probably wasn't, but certainly throughout the second half, you know, avoid, you know, just play over their press, play long, you know, pick up Werner, who's on fire. Uh, you know, if he was saying that, why they didn't do it? And I I don't understand that. And we couldn't get to the bottom of it on the Monday night show. And, you know, I don't think Jonathan and I will do it now now we've got a we've got a this is a first jk what you're about to say something no i'm drink, drinking my tea you were poised you were poised like a I cobra i was poised with my tea all right okay well we've got a very we've got a first here a, fir, a chelsea fan cast first we've got an audio message from the lovely ollie who <laughs> you, you no doubt will remember ollie wilkins all right he's written in a few times the top lad and he sent this into dane on instagram maybe this is the future people maybe if you want to like I, you know, I don't know. I don't know how he did it. He must have done it on Instagram and left a, a voice message for Dane. So if you want to send in messages and we can play them out, I'm all for that. Anyway, here we go. Here's Ollie. Hi Dane. Hi Chidge. JK. Um, just talking. Or oh, I want to ask a question about uh, Project Big Picture, whatever it's called, about the Premier League maybe in the future being locked in to a league that. Literally, it doesn't matter if you win or lose because you practically get the same money every year. Just want to know what you think about when it happens, which clubs, what are classed as sort of yo-yo clubs, if they deserve to be locked into it. And the fans of like championship teams who actually have the chance to break into the Premier League, how it'd be for them. 
And I mean, I'm pretty sure there's some teams in American football and basketball for years and years, they just practically lose every game and the owners don't care because of they just get paid regardless. Obviously, I may be wrong on that point, but you should. And the fact of them not being able to get relegated because it's a set 20 teams. Um, just want to hear your guys' opinions on it. I think it's a bit unfair and I wouldn't like it. I like seeing new teams come up and down every year and it makes for better football as well, in my opinion. You can... You have to care about the results a bit, which most people do, but you should get what I'm trying to say. Certainly do, Ollie. Um, yeah, I mean, we we didn't we haven't really had a chance to really talk about that in in great depth. But um, I personally would dead against the whole project big con, as I call it. Um, I don't think any, you know a lot of the things that you were saying in there, Ollie, like no relegation. Uh, you know, just locking in most of the clubs would have happened immediately. I mean, I know, you know, that they were basically the big six, Liverpool and Man United predominantly, were were trying to um, grab as much power as they could. They would have had a right of veto uh, of a club owner if they didn't think that they were appropriate or also known as a threat to them. Um, They were basically saying that, that nine teams in the league would have... Uh, more power than the the rest of the people. So they, I think Southampton, West Ham, and somebody else who I can't remember now, might have been Everton, I can't remember, were, were, were given uh, more kind of voting rights. But basically they said, yeah, but, you know, we need a, you know, basically the big six would have had the right of veto over that. So there was a lot of very nefarious stuff going on. And my feeling on it, Ollie, has always been, that clubs like Liverpool and Man United, and let's be honest, Chelsea wouldn't have been a million miles away from wanting this either. You know, they're big businesses. They're big corporate global brands. They are not football teams anymore. So their their reason to be these days is to charge us as much money as they can, fleece as much money as they can from broadcasters selling the rights, uh, and sell as much merch as they possibly can to people all over the world. And, and and to grow that business as a model. And they will do anything they can to, to, to make more money and to protect their position. So I think a lot of it was anti-competitive. They didn't want people coming in who could threaten that. I think that ultimately they will, they will want to go for a European Super League because that will make them more money. I think another um, upshot of this would have been uh, breaking the, the TV finance model, which at the moment is very, very good for... Um, you know all the clubs because they get a fairly equal share about it but the bigger clubs don't like that because um you know because they feel that they're they're worth more money because they're more attractive and i think because of that what you're going to get is you're going to get pay-per-view and i think the worst thing that's happening now with the whole pay-per-view thing is it'll give the clubs an idea of how much money they can make from that and that's a way that they'll want to go so i think ultimately i don't think the big you know Big, uh, uh, the project Big Picture was going to introduce all of that in there now, but I think longer term, that's where they were heading. You know, they want to consolidate their power and they want to make more money, and I think basically that was what it was all about. Uh, I hope that answers the question for you, Ollie. What's your thoughts on uh, B- uh, Project Big Picture? Oh, yeah, 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 of course, of course. 
Um, well, uh, I um, I sort of lost interest once it was thrown out, but um, it, it makes it, it, it's purely a, a power and money grabbing enterprise. Um, uh, and I wonder if they've thought it through. Actually, it would have to it become um, American football. You'd have to have, uh, except you don't you don't have the the, the college input uh, because it would still be involving the best the, the players the clubs with the most most money having to buy players um uh by the best players that they could go, they could get and it would be down to those with the biggest bank balance and uh um it would become unbelievably sterile you wouldn't have any of the joy of a a, a club from a lower division um getting into the division via tactics or um uh, a wonderfully competent um manager and it would mean that there would be less opportunity for for players from lower divisions to get into the top divisions um it would mean um less opportunity for a top manager i mean the the sheffield united manager is an example whose name escapes me what's his name um chris wilder chris wilder who uh you know has had lack of success in other clubs um suddenly came upon a way of playing with, with not with any stars at all playing for ship for united and um uh took the division by storm and found himself taking the premier league by storm last year which was a completely fairy tale an excellent thing to happen and we admired his tactics he's probably been found out a bit this year as players teams have an opportunity to see what he's up to but the very fact that the the team managed to get in was um um was was just it, it was great to watch and a perfect example of how you must allow uh, other teams of, of less ability to make an effort to get into the, the division, allow them access. So it would become, um, uh, I, I don't know where, I, it would appeal to, I think, perhaps a, a, a world, perhaps this is for the world market again. Yeah. Perhaps this is nothing to do with, with the parochial aspect of watching it from home and seeing... Um, players that, that aren't from around the world come in and, and make progress perhaps it's perhaps it is about um movement and money and just uh, providing a product for television entertainment view. mate that, that, it's yeah, not it, sport it, it, anymore it's entertainment it, 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 but it's not to do with also with the the passion you have for a a, a side that is up the road for well, a side jake i was gonna say yeah. this is the thing that american uh owners I don't think we'll ever really understand. Now, before all the Yanks that love this show start going, you can't say that about us. What are you talking about? Uh, I, I have absolute I have absolute proof of this. Uh, my dear friend, Michael Roban, who used to come on the show a lot, who lives in LA, uh, comes from New York. Every time he would come over and see a game, all right, and we'd meet up, have a few beers in the pub, go to the game together, he would stop uh, just outside of the Oswald Stoll entrance and he would just stand there and take it all in. And he would say, mate, this is unbelievable. He said, this ground is in the middle of the community, isn't it? All these houses around here, it's right in the middle. He said, if this was America, we'd be in an industrial park somewhere. And that's the point. You know, clubs in this country, which the majority of which were, were founded in the 19th century, uh, were born of and out of and for the community. That is what binds them together. And that is an anathema to some prick from Boston who's just trying to fence loads of money. I mean, it's ridiculous. The whole franchise business in America that the, I think as we've established, you get a, a baseball team or a, or a, um, 
you know, the the Dodgers moved from Brooklyn to to uh, L.A. And uh, the fact that he can do that and the whole fan base just completely disappeared. Yeah, exactly. Just, just, just shows you what it's about. It's just but not I, English. I, it's not English, JK. It's just not, I, not British. It's not, it's not, it's no. It's, it's not cricket. Not, no, it's Jack. none of those, none of those cricket. things. You're not, you're not playing a straight bat with that. No, no. no. It's against the spirit no. of sport. It's not, not Corinthian. No, there's nothing Corinthian. In fact, about. actually, talking of Corinthians, if if this all goes Pete Tong, you know, with Chelsea and everything, the way it's going, I think that's what I might do. I might end up going to watch Corinthian Casuals of a weekend. Yeah, are they the same team that they were in the 30s? I don't think so. Well, no, because they merged with the Casuals, didn't they? Did they? They merged, oh. they merged with the Croydon Casuals, the, 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 casual, the Casuals <laughs> firm in their Lacoste and their Fear and their Wedge haircuts, and they became the Corinthian Casuals. Oh. Whereas they used to be just the Corinthians. Anyway, we digress. You've got. Them, you, I well, played for you know. I know you did. I know you did. Um, we got another email from your mate Alex Davison, my mate Alex Davison too, actually, because we saw him on the Q and A last week. I love him. I love you, Alex. I think you're great. Is that me? Oh, it's me. Yeah. Even though you you just played an audio message, does that count as you reading yeah. it? Then? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Dear Chidge and Kiddo, Kiddo, another awesomely brilliant Zoom Q&A on Monday, October the 12th. It was excellent, Alex. I agree with you completely. I love it. I love it. I love the one of the advantages of Zoom is we're all over the world. We're just chatting. Great. That was so much fun. And looking at each other, which is good. Um, uh, I love the good old-fashioned banter with a bunch of mates now to take the piss properly. I would definitely buy that. For that, I would definitely buy a pint for. And I love the knowledgeable input of your global following. Ash, Claire, Shane, Tim, Rob, and Giorgio. Is that right? Yeah, you all rock. Next, I want to formally salute all of the following contributors for always bringing excellence to the table whenever they guest star on the pod. Dan Silver, Clayton Beerman, Mark Worrell, Alex Churchill, Tony Glover, Liam Toomey, Oliver Harbord, Kelvin Barker, Mark Meehan, Dane Whittle, Martin Wickham, and I apologise if I've left anyone out. Joe Tweeds. Joe Tweeds is a man apart. My goodness me. He'll be on soon, won't you, Chidge? Who, who, I'm sorry, I got distracted, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But say that again. Joe, Joe Tweedy. Joe Tweedy. No, Tweed, Tweed is up for it. I've, we've been in touch with Tweed on I'm the saying, WhatsApp I'm group. He, he's not on the list. He's put, I apologise, I left anyone out. Okay, so, uh, so somebody else's name is also not on the list. And funnily enough, I've just checked my emails while you were reading that, and I've got to, I've got to read this out. Okay, because as you know, I've Dean, finished. This one yet, I know, you know, I know, I know. As you know, this is this is relevant. As you know, Dean Mears is the one who edits the website and chooses the email of the week. And I've just got this email from him. Lots of great emails in there this week, Chidge. All I know is Alex definitely isn't getting email of the week. <laughs> <laughs> I can't think why. Anyway, now you understand why that was important to... Oh, I was, it was. But I was about to say as well, and of course, Dean Mears. Yeah. But um, uh, you beat me to it. Um, good. Anyway, next, Kepper. What the fuck? I agree with you completely. I'm going to say that again, actually. I'll say that because it's exactly my sentiment, Alex. What the fuck? Teammates don't trust him. Playing for all to see versus Southampton. No confidence, no bottle. Chelsea career over. Yeah, but we've said that about eight times, Alex, and he still gets picked. Jesus. Probably a nice lad off the pitch. Doesn't matter. I'm a nice lad off the pitch. I don't get picked. Trouble is, we all saw him be a coward on the pitch. Yes, he was. He, he absolutely bottled it. I agree completely unforgivable in the BPL. Unforgivable, full stop. Yeah, it's an extremely physical league, just like it said in the brochure. Frank has to end this painful experiment. 
Nuff said. Well, he hasn't so far, and he keeps picking him. So, <laughs> and last, we football supporters need a weekly Soul of the Game podcast. Chidge, you don't have to organise it. Or I regular. do, I do. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but, but... but you I'm do. queen. If you, <laughs> if you could help... That'll just be the nine podcasts you do then. If you could help champion the idea, get your fellow podders from other clubs to buy in, I think the idea of a strong supporter's voice would gain some traction. Project Big Picture was thwarted, but why wait for another power grab? Fans of English football collectively need to start seriously discussing what they believe needs to be preserved, what needs to be jettisoned and what needs to be reformed. We need an outlet to apply bottom-up pressure so that we fans have a say in shaping the future of the game we love. When all is said and done, the fans are the ones paying most of the freight. That power can be harnessed. Cheers, Alex. I'm not convinced the fans no. are the ones who have anything to say, Alex, because they everybody just goes, yes, of course, and play, pays lip service. And they do what they want because they've got the money. Uh, I agree with you, JK, and I hate to say that, it pains you to say it, but that ship sailed a long time ago because the reality is, is that, and I think this is going back to the point I was saying about Project Big Con, um, what's happening at the moment I'm afraid is going to hasten the uh, you know the disappearance of the game that we know and love as supporters who go to games and think we have any clout or power or vaguely important or relevant at all. They are proving at the moment very successfully that they can per- live perfectly happy without any of us in the ground whatsoever. To the extent that they're piping in, you know, our, we should sue them for copyright infringement. By the way, because our voices are on the piped chance that they feed through to pretend that there's an atmosphere. And, of course, the other thing is that they don't need our money either. I mean, I told you the other week, I think, on the show that, you know, Chelsea pocketed 70 million quid for from match day revenue in 2018-19. I mean, that's peanuts uh, when you think about what, A, they get from the current broadcast revenues and, B, what they could get in terms of future PPV revenues, which they would control. So I think in that context, we are irrelevant. We've been... We are be, we've been elbowed out of the process, mate, totally. Uh, my other point, Alex, is your uh, Soul of the Game podcast. I mean, that is pretty much something I did um, at Love Sport. You know, I had my fans forum show on a Sunday and I had great fun doing it. And it was lovely for me because it got me out of the Chelsea echo chamber. And I, I had to talk to other, you know, supporters of other clubs who've got, both their own unique and individual problems but the same ones as us and it was really really good and I think the really sad thing about Love Sport going is I think it was genuinely a really good vehicle for supporters proper supporters to have a voice on a national radio station and that was one of the reasons why I was attracted to doing it in the first place but I think it's really sad that it's that it's been mothballed and hopefully it'll you know if they can find some money get some investment in then uh that you know hopefully it'll continue but uh I think it's a real shame because I think it's an opportunity that, that, that has been missed. But there you go. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Cheech. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? 
Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boy's life. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all... No more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Well, there you go. I've got off my soapbox. Time for another email, JK. And this one is from Brendan Mallard. Uh, And we're only halfway through. Goodness me. He says, hi, Chidge, uh, JK, Dan and Tony. I hope I got the special guest correct for this Monday show. Uh, I would love to be writing in today saying, wowee, another 4-0 win. And this time against a team we've struggled with a wee bit over the past few years. It looked that way at 2-0 at the bridge against Southampton after 25 minutes. But alas, it wasn't to be. In my very humble football career as a defender, I was taught by my coaches, if in doubt and with attackers bearing down on you, don't attempt a back pass to the keeper or a square ball to another defender. Instead, use the safety of the touchline and lump the ball into touch. Yes, it will give the opposition the ball from a throw-in, but more importantly, it gives the defence time to reset and get organised. This was known as the if-in-doubt-kick-it-out policy which doesn't transfer pressure to another teammate and possibly lead to a mistake when skills or thinking can falter under duress. I appreciate professional footballers are much more talented than I was and often must feel they need to keep possession of the ball for the team's sake. But at what cost? Yes, I'm alluding to Zuma's poorly weighted back pass to Kepa, which contributed to the Saints scoring their second goal and levelling the game at two apiece. Question for you all. Is game stroke common sense being lost in today's game where FIFA stats and footballing philosophies appear all important? Keep up the fantastic work with the, uh, work with the podcast. I love kicking back and listening to you guys down here in Australia. It keeps me connected to this mighty club and its supporters despite the thousands of kilometres between us and with an aeroplane in sight to breach the distance. All the best and up the Chelsea, Brendan Mallard. <clears throat> great email Brendan and I think I kind of addressed that in the Monday night show didn't I JK because I agree so you agreed and I didn't okay I... well then well shall I reiterate my point and then you can yeah you go can... on you reiterate and I'll then just attack you you can right. attack me yeah bring it on motherfucker yeah. uh anyway yeah I I, I I I just think it's pointless I, I hate all this football is a very bloody simple game why overcomplicate it and I think this modern day obsession with you know, we stupid passes sideways, backwards, defence, goalkeepers having to play like Johan fucking Cruyff. It's, if it, 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 you win a football game by scoring more goals and not letting more in than you score. It's that simple. 
So why, 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 as you were saying, Brendan, put yourself into danger of conceding a goal because your philosophy is to pass back to the goalkeeper at all costs? I don't, I don't think it should be booting into the rose Z all the time. But, you know, if there's, a, if there's a hint of risk, get it out. I agree with you. Over to you, JK. Well, I personally think, Chidge, that you're talking out of your orifice. <laughs> well, I would hope so. Oh, you mean that one, right? Okay. That, one, that other orifice, yeah, the lower <laughs> orifice. Um, well, just because, um, it, it, I mean, it just pinpoints how appalling the error was in that the ball sat up an, at a nice height for him and all he had to do was just pass it back to the goalkeeper, which you would do, you know, 10 times out of 10, really, and he managed to scuff it. It's the most elementary error you could possibly make. And to, I think, in order to... To kick it into touch, he'd have to have done a rather brisk back heel movement that would probably make him lose the ball anyway. So um, um, I think your justification for him pivoting somehow and then kicking into the stands would have been much more difficult than actually committing the back pass that he did. And I think the back pass, the fact the back pass was so badly, um, the pace of it was so badly projected, was uh, uh, made the error even worse than... Uh, um, I was going to say that it actually was, just made it even worse. It was just a dreadful error and the kind of really um, useless mistake that you shouldn't be making at this professional level. So, um, sorry, I don't think he has any, any there isn't, isn't anything that yeah, he but, could have... But it was an error that didn't have to take place because, you know, he could have just... Yeah, but booting it. But yeah, but well, you could do if you could do that in every situation, couldn't you? you could percentages, say, well, I didn't mate. Want to pass the ball percentages. It's easier to put, kick the ball into touch. You'd never get any passing done. Percentages, would you? mate. Never get any football play. Percentages. Well, no, I, I wanted to cross the ball, but it was easier to kick mate, the ball. Mate, percentages, game management, and using your to, using common sense. I was about to shoot, but it was easier to kick the ball into touch. Yeah, well, that's a ridiculous analogy, and it's beneath you to even come up with it. No, but I've taken it to extremes, Chid, because I felt that your your uh, prognosis was um, um, uh, off the mark. Next email, JK. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, Paul Burgess. Chid, no, it's me, actually, Paul. <laughs> oh, we've we kind of done this, but it's no, there's no. We might as well go for it again. Go on. Yeah, but you know. Uh, that's because he tweeted me. Well, he's got to. He's got. If he's tweeted, he's got to presume if he's an email that it might be me. I feel. I feel hurt. I feel. It was part uh, of an email conversation. Uh, uh, okay. Um, you could have put just in. You type it out, don't you? You could have put and JK. I know. You... But I was busy. Okay, I understand. That's the way the the cookie is crumbling. The ball is bouncing nowadays. Is it okay? Right. Um, uh, Chidge in bracket <laughs> in bracket. And JK. You wrote JK at the top, though, didn't you? For me to do it, you could have written and JK in. Anyway, never mind. Um, Christian Pulisic is one of the best wingers in the league. Yes. He was Chelsea's best attacking player last season. Yes. Won us many games from the left wing. Yes. So why did Frank Lampard push Pulisic itch to the right to accommodate Mount on the left? I'm baffled beyond belief. Well, we, we debated it on the Monday show, didn't we? It. Um, uh, were, I was confused as well, but it was... Uh, I think Tony said um, he could play anywhere. So uh, what, what's the problem? But yes, his, his best position is coming in. But we did it. He, he accommodated. He did accommodate Mount on the left. That's why he put him. That's why he played in there. 
Um, but he did. He set up the third goal rather beautifully, so it wasn't all gloom and doom. But he looks a bit off the pace, so perhaps he's just not quite recovered yet from the uh, the the hammy. I, I yeah, we we did discuss this in the Monday night show, and I think yes. I, I refed Paul at the time actually. But I think there are lots of re. I mean, it lo- it looks completely bonkers on first look, doesn't it? Because we all know how good Pulisic is on the left. But I think. Uh, you're right. There were mitigating circumstances. He's probably not fully fit, so his ability to cover back might not have been so good. Uh, Chilwell and Pulisic both attacking the same flank at the same time might have been an issue. But I actually think that, um, you know, I mean, we said this on the Monday show too. I was just so enamoured, JK, of the fluidity of their movement, the way that Werner, Mount, Havertz and Pulisic just interchanged, moved across the pitch, I mean, it, I th- I think going forward, that is, you know, I mean, I know we joke a bit, don't we, about total football, but I mean, you know, you and I grew up with that concept, you know, I mean, it's the the first, you know, I mean, before I really even got into Chelsea, I was aware of, of, of Dutch football and Johan Cruyff and how the Dutch played in the World Cup final in nine, in, finals in 1974. And I'm not saying that that's what we're going to do, but the, I, I love this interchangeability, this fluidity of four highly talented, highly skillful, highly penetrative footballers. And I think it's going to make us when it, I mean, you know, we were, we were moaning a couple of weeks ago in the podcast. Oh, it doesn't click. They don't, they don't seem to know who each other is every week. They are getting better yeah, at knowing each other's game. It makes Neville's statement at the beginning of the season after the second game, that they were a long way off being um, title challengers. Absolutely ridiculous. Well, of course they were. Well, the get, second game of the season. Given you know, given Virgil Van Dyke's absence this season, no doubt, and a few other things, I th- I think it as as they as Brian Moore once said many years ago, it's up for grabs now. I think it might well be. I think the season is, and I think Villa might get it. The who way knows? Playing. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Everton are decent. Carlo's a bloody good manager. Very good manager. Yeah. Very very good. They've got some very. He's making um, players that had great um, potential come good, like. Um, um, what's his face? Centre forward. Um, uh, Calvert Lewin. Calvert Lewin. Yeah, yeah. yeah who's yeah. looking brilliant. He you is. Know, good, luck, good luck to him. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell you the bizarreness of every time I see Carlo, the affection I have for him, the affection as a when you when he speaks, you just sit, stands there and you just go, "Yep, we should have had you for another few seasons." Yep, yeah. What a great manager you were, and what a sweet man he comes across yeah. as being. Which is what I, I was. Um, from my knowledge of what the team thought of him, they just thought he was lovely, really sweet guy. Ancelotti, Ancelotti, Ancelotti. It's Ancelotti and Frankie Lampard and Didier Drogba. Do you not remember that? I do, I yeah, do, I do. Great. I do. Right, uh, we've got an, an email from our good friend Nate Piacentino. He says, hello all, hope you're doing well. Ah, oh, don't you just love watching football? After suffering suffering through two weeks of pointless international football, I was so excited to watch Chelsea play again. Knowing how bad Southampton's defence is, I had a great feeling that Timo would get off the mark against them. And I was hoping for a great team performance in order to get some momentum going. Unfortunately, this turned out to be one of the most frustrating games I've watched in the Lampard era so far. I cannot stand how slow this team moves the ball. Maybe the players are still figuring each other out. Uh, but there is no sense of urgency to kill the game off, and it seems like they have no sense at all. Granted, in the early stages of the game, the boys looked great going forward, and there was plenty of positive movement. But sure enough, 
they took their foot off the gas and started playing like they didn't have a single football brain amongst the 11 players on the field. To give Southampton some credit, they started pressing the fullbacks higher up the field and as a result, they were causing a lot of problems for us. Southampton actually controlled the tempo for large portions of the game once they gained some confidence after realising how easy it is to score against us. But it was so infuriating to watch because even children know how to beat the press. Just go over it! Get the ball up the field, kick it into open space. We had Werner and Pulisic leading the line, playing against some of the slowest defenders in the league. Just kick it forward and let the speeders run onto it. Eventually, it would have worked and Southampton would have had to stop pressing so much. That's just common sense. But what did Chelsea do? They played it sideways, they passed it back to the defence, then back and forth amongst the defenders, continually wasting time with no real intention of building an actual attack. Perhaps they were trying to calm things down. But read the game. The tide was turning. Southampton were bossing it, so counter-attack them. Our defence is our weakness. We shouldn't be letting them spend more time on the ball, especially in a one-goal game. The more time our defence spends with the ball, the more likely it is that they will make a mistake. And sure enough, the mistakes came again and we dropped points. For the life of me, I cannot understand how this team can look at the high line that Southampton were playing and just continue to move the ball sideways and backwards, especially when the one time Jorginho went over the top, we scored a goal. It was a good pass, but Timo turned it into a great pass. Just keep doing that. We have superstars up front. Eventually, they will make something happen. Get the ball up the field away from the players that keep costing us games. I know Frank wants to use the width of the field to build attacks, but Southampton wasn't letting our fullbacks get up the field as the game went on. So then you have to bypass the press. It's the most basic stuff. That is why it is so frustrating. Uh, the players and the manager need to give their head a shake. That was an embarrassing performance, both tactically and technically. The lack of communication on this team is shocking. We need leaders and we need to grow some balls. This team is soft. And they lose confidence so easily. These mistakes will continue to happen unless everyone gets their head out of their asses. But what do I know? I, I know that feeling, mate. Uh, it's easy for me to say while I'm sitting on my couch and yelling at the TV. <laughs> I'm sure they will figure it out eventually. All right, rant over for today. Thanks again for giving us fans this community space to vent some frustration. We have a big week coming up. So on to the next one. Come on, you blues, Nate. Yeah. Hard leaders with big balls yeah. with their not up their arses. That was a good rant, actually. And I think Nate makes some excellent points. And I think he's also man enough to admit that, you know, like I was saying earlier on, it's all right to be angry and frustrated. My God, my poor wife came downstairs at final whistle. How did they do, she said. And I just launched into this very sweary, loud rant, poor woman. She didn't deserve that. But that's what football does to you. That's why... We love it because we know next week we might thrash United 5-0 and we'll completely forget about Southampton. That's 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 why we do it. Glorious unpredictability, as Marco says. He's absolutely right. Uh, you got another email, JK? Oh, another one. Yeah. Like, email number nine. Chidge et al. Who's this al? I don't know. Is he, we, should, we should meet him, really, see if he's any good. Paul, I, I read the emails, Paul, with Chidge, so I'd like it to say Chidge and Jonathan. <laughs> He's upset, mate. Thank you, Paul. I've read stuff of yours out before, Paul, and that consequently I'm now going to read yours out in a very strange Eastern European accent, OK? Hey, fly life by the bridge has been great. The growth of the earth path has been a dotted world. has been wonderful. I can't understand that. No. Really? 
<laughs> don't read it in the voice of Cesar Aspilicueta. Read it in the voice of Jonathan Kidd. <laughs> oh, that was slightly Spanish, wasn't it? You're right. I should make it slightly more. The bridge has been great. No, I won't do that either. I'll read it properly, Paul. Next time. Good. Having Frank Lampard back at the bridge has been great. I would debate that anyway. The growth of the youth players, youth players has been a joy to watch. It's been wonderful to know that our coach has the long-term future of the club at his heart. Trouble is, there aren't many youth getting through again now. No, anyway. But this season's results and the continued shambles that is our defence have left me fearing for Lampard's future as a coach. Hmm. Yes, the goals we concede are very often the consequence of individual mistakes. And no single individual mistake can be laid at the feet of the manager. But when a team consistently makes a series of individual mistakes over a long period, then it does become a reflection on the manager. A good coach will make his players better. Think of the way Conte reorganised the team to play five at the back a few seasons ago, transforming an equally terrible defence into a formidable unit. Or think of the way Mourinho organised the team to routinely keep clean sheets. Admittedly, Mourinho had better defensive players at his disposal, but Conte did not. Now Lampard is learning on the job, so it's unfair to expect him to be as effective as Conte this early in his own career. I think Conte, though, did. He had Cahill and Louise, who'd both won European championships. So uh, I think it was, they were pretty good at taking in what he wanted them to do. Anyway, uh, but it's not re re unreasonable to expect to see some signs of improvement defensively over his two years of coaching at Chelsea and Derby. It's what I said in the Monday show, actually. Yet, sadly, those signs have been lacking so far. I'm certainly not calling for Lampard's head, and I'm still very much behind him as a manager, but I do want to see him start to take some proactive steps to change things at the back, and not just by buying better players. I want to see some signs of actual coaching. Clearly, he wanted to buy a defensive midfielder in the last window, but couldn't. At the same time, we have five central defenders in a squad that only needs four. Yet two of those defenders, Christensen and James, have successfully played a defensive midfield role for Denmark and Wigan, respectively. So why not try one of them in that role to add some teeth to our midfield? Maybe that's not the answer, but it's the coach's job to find the answer, whatever it is. Good teams are traditionally built upon the foundation of a good defence, and it's entirely reasonable to think that our attacking players are now good enough to thrive in whatever system we play. So let's see some signs of a serious attempt to organise the team in such a way that it's defensively solid moving forwards. As ever, gang, thank you so much for the work you do to bring the fan cast to us each week. It's so very much appreciated, particularly during the current 2020 Omni Shambles. Up the blues, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Fine mail, fine mail. Um, uh, it's tricky, isn't it? I, I, I fear that if uh, if if it carries on and they carry on shipping goals to the extent that they're shipping goals, um, uh, I, I think the leak would be um, would be bunged, bunged up if they were to buy somebody absolutely fantastic. Um, but if he keep, he, they don't buy anybody and he can't do anything about it. Uh, I, I wonder what, to, well, perhaps they have to get this. Apparently they've got a new defensive coach anyway, who I can't think 
appears to be getting anything right at all. So, no, but um, we went into this on Monday. You know, yeah. if they if the players are not good enough, they're not going to improve. No, no, no. I know. I mean, I know. let me let me okay. I let me hoping. let I keep me hoping. You let, know? let me put it in a in a in a. In a I mean, I, I described it in a slightly different way. I'm going to put it in a in a in your world now. You're a director. You've directed people in plays, haven't you? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yes. So you've got this actor who has got a terrible voice. No, that's, that's wrong. You've got an actor who can't can't learn their lines and gets it wrong night after night. And you keep being really patient with them, giving them all sorts of helpful techniques as to how they can remember it. And yet every night, they still fluff the same line. What do you do? Well, in my recent thing I did, I was producing something. The director said, let's cut the line. And I said, we can't cut the line. It's essential. It's essential for the bloody piece. So she cut the line and then it therefore became incomprehensible. But that's completely different. Um, what, what do you do? You you don't pick the player anymore. You find somebody who can do the job. Yeah, exactly. Because you they're don't... not going to improve. Yeah, well, in which case he has to buy somebody. Well, that's what we were saying. He can't do that because, you know, we've got to wait to the next transfer window or when the person they want is available or whatever. So I think, you know, we need to realise that. I have to be honest, I'm getting really cross about a lot of this, and it's coming from a lot of us, you know, people who are level-headed and who know their onions. There's a term here, you know, and, and I understand why it's happening, because everybody's been involved with this club so deeply for the last 15, 20 years since Roman's been here, and we've we've grown accustomed to what Roman does, and he fires managers who underperform. But I think... You know, we need to stop saying this, going, oh, you know, if he, if he doesn't win a few matches, then he's going to be sacked. Because we don't know that. We don't know if Roman's changed or not. But I tell you what, if we keep fucking saying it, then it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Yeah. And, and we lose the... Hang on. And we lose the chance to see whether Frank Lampard can be as good a manager as he was a player. If he can do something... Because I'm telling... I said this to Talk Sport. You know, I would rather have Frank Lampard being given a go and make it make it work and be successful than any other fucking manager around. You know, Nagelsmann, Tuchel, Pochettino. Fuck off! They're all they're all mercenaries. Frank Frank is the closest we will get in my lifetime, probably, to a yeah. manager who loves this club as much as I do. So stop fucking talking him out of a job, people. I think. Um... Even in the, that's a good rant. I feel better for that. It was good. You were very good then, Chid. Very good. It, but in fact, if it's something we've been debating on the fan cast for the last year, has been how so few of those players are good enough. And we thought that there would be twelve out. Do you remember? We noticed we made a a list of people that should, were eligible to leave, as it were, who weren't good enough. And uh, at the moment, very few of them have left. So we still got them. He's still got them. Some of them are because they, they, nobody would want them. Nobody wanted them on loan. I think probably because they were too expensive. But And some of them, we were taken aback that one of them was Loftus-Cheek, who we never thought would be going out on loan at all, or even mm. Barkley. Well, having said that, though, we Barkley was one of them we wanted not to be with the club anymore. Um, but uh, all the defence, um, all of that lot in the defence are expendable. We've established that. We established that a year ago. And yet they're still being played in the first team because he hasn't got anybody to replace them. So, yes, I agree completely. Thank you. Thank you. I love you, too. Um, and I'm now I'm not going to read the rude comments uh, that people on Mixler have said uh, at your funny voices, because I think I owe you that having been so nice about me. So were they were they, were they debating their authenticity? Oh, OK, I'll read you one. 
I'll read you one from your old mate Pete. Uh, I, I won't read the ones before. Okay. What's the matter with JK? Kiddo's lost it. No wonder he's not allowed out in public. (laughs) 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 There are no words after that. Who's that from? It's from your old mate Pete, CFC. Oh, good old Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Pete just wants Pete wants to see me naked again. (laughs) I'm sure he doesn't. Oh, anyway. Good old Pete, yeah. Well, well, which bit? Which <laughs> when, you, when you were reading out that email and the funny voices that nobody <laughs> can understand. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think he missed the setup to the gag. <laughs> I think he must have It's done called it. a gag, Pete. It's uh... called a... <laughs> you may not have found it funny, but I'm not convinced. <laughs> All right. We've got one from Grayson's Summit. The penultimate email tonight. Bloody hell, it's gone on forever tonight. Um... Grayson Summit. I don't think that's his real name because actually at the end of it he signs Andrew. So I'm going to call you Andrew, all right? Uh, and he says, hello from Lake Tahoe or Tahoe, California. Tahoe. Tahoe, lovely place, where the town slogan is keep Tahoe blue. Like it. Like it a lot. I've been supporting Chelsea for about 12 years and stumbled upon your cheeky pod recently and am now a loyal listener. Thanks for all you do. Well, thank you, Andrew. Uh, above uh, our set, About our centre-back and Kepa problems, I see an even bigger hole needing a plug, which is an anchor in central defensive midfield. Yes, Kante is one of the world's best and fits Chidge's destroyer role perfectly, but he runs all over, filling up passing lanes and exposing holes in doing so. I feel we need someone to just sit in the central spot and let Kante destroy, much like Matic did for him. Declan Rice would fit that role perfectly, but we missed out this window. Ampadu made the most sense to me, but alas. Who else do we have? Mount, he's a pushing runner like Kante and actually could turn into his backup. Kovac- uh, to his backup. Kovacic likes to push forward too much. Jorginho doesn't have a defensive bone in his body. Any other midfielders on our squad to fill the role? Billy Gilmore might be there in a few seasons and I see more offensive qualities that he brings to the squad in the future. Uh, by the way, he, they reckon he'll be back training after the next international break. Uh, allow me to indulge in a few options. Dave, Reese, or Ficayo. Uh Dave once touted by Jose, Jose as the most all-round player. I could win the league with 11 Daves in my squad or something similar to that. All jokes aside, he could just sit in front of the back two and break up the play. Plus, he certainly can pass side to side or backwards as good as Jorginho and could pick an around the corner pass to break the lines. Reese has the strength uh, to body up anyone coming through the middle and we all know he can pick a pass going forward or shoot from outside the box. Vicario has the strength and defensive mind of a centre-back and enough pace to fit that holding role. I'm not saying these are long-term solutions but something has got to change. We can blame Kepper or the centre-backs but plugging the CDM hole will make their lives easier. Would love to hear your thoughts. Up the Chels. Cheers, Andrew. I think you picked up on a thing that we talked about on the Monday show, Andrew, and you know I was saying much the same. I think that the biggest problem that we we have is exactly what you said. We don't have anybody who absolutely plays a proper, you know, central defensive uh, midfielding role, which is basically they they the, you know they do not go beyond the halfway line. They do what Claude McAuley used to do for us so fucking brilliantly. They just sit in front of the back four. Anybody comes near them, they take them out. And then they give the ball to somebody talented, you know, somebody with an exquisite range of passing or the ability to run at defences. That's what a proper holding central midfielder does, you know. Uh, and they also they shield the defence and they help they help its organisation as well. 
I think I think the answer is Declan Rice. I, I'm more and more convinced of this, and I think that's what the club think. The only caveat I would have on that is I think I think had he been given a chance, and and it and it mystifies me why he wasn't this season. Um, I, I really think Ampadu could have done that role. I mean, Ryan Giggs seems to be the only one who likes Ethan Ampadu. But he plays him every Welsh match. He's fundamentally important to that Welsh side. And actually, he quite often plays him in central defensive midfield rather than central defence. So he can clearly do the job. And I just think, you know, given that we don't have Rice, I think it would have been sensible to have kept Ambadu here and, and allowed him to have a go at it. But hey, you know, I'm not the manager, so I don't know, JK. He must have something. There must be a problem with him that they've seen. He's a lovely lad, apparently. No, I didn't mean from a personality point of view. I just meant from a footballing point of view. Perhaps there's something, you know, they suss something, don't they, in training. They make a decision. They go, you know, he's not quick enough. He's not on the ball. I don't know what it would be, but um, uh, somebody somewhere has in the in the coaching staff has said he's not for us. Yeah. Well, so, uh, he needs another year. So it happens, doesn't it? What do you do? He's, he's still young. You know, he's still still relatively young, so he's got time on his side. I wonder whether you could make um, uh, instill discipline into Kovacic and make him play that way. He seems to foul a lot whenever he nah, plays. He's, he hasn't got enough pace. That's why he fouls uh, a lot. That's true, yeah, yeah. You know, but hey-ho. Good, good email, Andrew. I'm thinking along much the same lines as I'm not sure. By the way, I'm not sure about James or Ficayo or Dave as an option there. I just, that's it's very rare, isn't it, that they play... They play players out of position once they've been established in positions it doesn't seem to happen very often they'll put they'll put center forwards back to midfield or um uh wingers back to midfield but they tend not to put defenders further forward it just doesn't seem to happen very much no doubt somebody could um, come in and say i'm talking out of my backside but let's see i would never do that no no i wasn't thinking of you actually i was thinking of somebody well well informed uh people on um on Mixfer, other than Pete. Um, good. Uh, Marco Delaval, uh, number 11. Good evening, all. Let me start off by saying, in my opinion, this is one of the best football podcasts out there. Oh, oh, Marco, Marco. Wonderful and honest analysis from every Chelsea match. I always look forward to listening to the opinions of everyone on the podcast, in particular. Oh, Chidge, thank you for this one. The great Jonathan Kidd, who never fails to make, make me laugh with his brutal honesty. Oh, I never realised that. Uh, Good, but thank you so much. Thank you, lovely. Now, with regards to Saturday's match against Southampton, there are so many questions over our defence again, it's now getting ridiculous. In my opinion, you cannot blame Kepper for two out of the three. And even the first mistake for Che Adams' goal was Zuma's. Why didn't he just put it out of play? Why didn't Havertz not just clear his lines in the first half instead of playing a weak pass across the pitch? Then in the last minute, we conceded a free kick. At the moment, it feels like teams don't have to play well against us to score. Instead, we just have to make an error and bang it in the back of our net. And it and bang, it's in the back of our net. Happened against West Brom, happened again on Saturday. I feel if we made the simple decisions, the simple decisions, we would have picked up four more points and therefore been in second place and competing to be top of the table. Also, I've noticed our defensive midfielders keep leaving our centre-halves exposed. Why? It's not Kante's job to score goals nor Jorginho's. So why are they trying to go forward and get up to join the attack? Leave the attackers and wing-backs to do the attacking. We've got enough firepower. And I must say, our new Irish striker, Timo, Timo Werner, <laughs> scored two wonderful goals 
and Havertz finish was very cool and calm. Therefore, this shows me we've got enough going forwards. I love the club. I've supported Chelsea for 30 years and both myself and my dad watch every game religiously. I can see us scoring enough goals to win trophies. This won't happen till we cut out the mistakes, get ourselves organised defensively, keep the blue flag flying high. Marco Delaval. Thank you, Marco. Lovely. And thank you for your lovely words at the beginning. It's really appreciated. I thank you so much for that. Thank you. But um, I think we've said all of this, haven't we? You, you, uh, you defended, um, uh, why didn't he just put out a play? We've just done that earlier. And indeed, Havertz should have, clear, um, should have um, uh, yeah, played a weak pass across the pitch. But he was trying to be clever, wasn't he? And the last minute, yeah, we conceded a free kick. I know, madness. I think, yeah. you know, I have a great email, Marco. And, and again, thank you so much for the, uh, the lovely words. Uh, they, that, I mean, we, we love it, don't we? It's really lovely when you get praise like that. And it's very humbling. Um, so thank you. Very sweet of you. Um, I think, you know, we can sum up uh, Marco's email thusly, JK. It's about game management, both of the players and also uh, Frank and Jody. And I think, you know, we have to improve in both uh, both those areas for both the players yeah. and, and the management, really. I mean, you know, Frank's a young manager. He's learning his craft on the job. Not easy. Uh, a lot of the players are young, you know, and inexperienced. They need to do that. I have to say, JK, you know, that having, having Thiago Silva, I think, is so important this season. If only we had like a, a, a Thiago Silva equivalent in midfield as well, you know, who could help with that game management. But I, it's a good point about Kante leaping up and playing uh, too far forwards. I worry about that. Yeah, but somebody's telling him to do that or he's ignoring instructions. It, 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 it's not being, he's not being pre- prevented from doing it. What was it. One of the games this season, he didn't. He played further back, didn't he, when he was fit? Mm. And we won it. I can't remember which game it was. No. Did, did we win it easily, but... Um, uh, yeah, he seemed to fit that role better. Um, uh, I, it, 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 if Frank said, "Angola, um, you've just got to play in front of the in front of the defence," surely that would be you'd be able to do that because he's that disciplined. He's that he's that disciplined a player. So why isn't that happening? If or perhaps he's perhaps he must be down to Frank to give him the free reign. But if that's the case, there aren't enough defenders there. It's um, so whose fault is that? Is that Frank's fault in the setup? I don't know. Um, but uh, as I as I said on the on the Monday show, we we've got five or six of the great players at the moment who once they gel will absolutely take every opposition to the cleaners. But they really have to then buy players that are as good as the players up front, because otherwise um, it will be like Kevin Keegan. It will be. It'll be four threes and three threes all the time, and we just can't have that. But well, I think I think that Mendy being back in the side and Silva will actually give them a um, uh, a basis that will allow the team to play, be more relaxed, and play better defensively. Well, you know what they say: um, attackers win you games, defenses win you titles. I think that's very very true. The other thing I would say, J.K. Uh, you know, and I didn't get to say this on the Monday night show because we kind of passed over it a bit about the whole Kevin Keegan nature of this team. Um, and, you know, lots of goals is very entertaining. I mean, that, that Ajax game from last season is one of the best games I've seen in years. It was just bonkers. It was fantastic. But the one thing I would add is that Roman Abramovich fell in love with football because he was at the Champions League quarterfinal at Old Trafford between Man United and Real Madrid. Uh, and, you know, the real Ronaldo scored one of the best hat-tricks I've ever seen. It was just brilliant. But it was a 3-3 draw. 
and it was wonderful football and it was entertaining. And Roman Abramovich decided after that seeing that game that he wanted in, he wanted football. So maybe maybe Roman wants Kevin Keegan style football. Who knows? What do we know? So it may be like this for the next fifteen years. And I think we are we are so it's really interesting, isn't it, how how you know external things affect us all and, and we've we've in a sense grown up in the last fifteen years on the back of Mourinho grind you know, not grinding out results because he had some very attacking and very attractive sides, I think, but I, I would call it pragmatism. You know, we've grown to love pragmatism because it won us lots of trophies. Um, apart from, I mean, you know, the Carlo era, great football, you know. Who knows? We'll see. It's going to be, as I said, it's glorious unpredictability, isn't it? It's interesting, isn't it, Chidge? But uh, if Mourinho had been running that game at the weekend, 2-0 up to half-time, he yeah. probably would have then settled for the 2-0 yeah. and just um, played the game out in the second half and stopped Southampton from being involved, yeah. which was ne- it's never going to be the case. Like, like he did to West Ham yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not hey ho all right we're done brilliant stuff uh that is all we've got time for this week uh jonathan and i will be back on friday at seven o'clock live uh on mixler and then the podcast afterwards when we're going to be discussing the severe match uh on tuesday night in the champions league obviously we're going to be looking forward to the man united game as well i think we've, we'll have ollie harbord joining us I, i'm hoping to get matt beadle uh, along and failing Matt, I'll get Aaron along to talk about Man United because we right. mi- we miss them. Uh, I don't know who I've got on uh, on Friday. I might 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 see if Mark Meehan's free because he's always good value. Uh, so there you go. That's the Friday night preview show. Uh, we'll obviously be back next Monday when we'll be talking about predominantly the Man United game, of course. And the Chelsea Fancast is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, and Spotify, as well as all sorts of other football. Uh, podcast distributors uh, and of course this has been a special edition of the Chelsea Fancast because we had so many emails from you tonight and we call it In Off The Post in homage to an old Chelsea letters page. Uh, now if you want your email or Patreon message or Instagram post or tweet to be read out by us on the show then you need to let us have them by the end of the day on a Sunday uh, early Monday morning at a pinch, but preferably Sunday. And you, the email address for us is chelseafancast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast and Instagram and Facebook. I am at Stanford Chidge. Jonathan is at Jonathan Kidd. And this has been huge fun, has it not, Jonathan? Of course, as always. And the nice thing about doing the show, this show separately, is we can actually spend more time debating the emails. Yes, I, do you know, really good point, J.K. We don't feel as rushed, do we? You know, no, I mean, we're no we're suckers for punishment. So even though it's stupid o'clock now, we don't. I don't mind. You don't mind. I enjoy talking to you. It's great fun. I always yeah. feel guilty when we've got the others on that they need. They've got to go and eat their dinner or something. Yes, yes, and particularly if they then don't um, say anything as a consequence. And they they get a bit of a kind of spear carrier part too, which is yeah, if, yes, indeed, yeah. which isn't fair. So I'm. I, I always try and fold them in and ask them if they'd like to say something about it, but you just get the impression that their their stomach is rumbling. Indeed. Another beer is on the way. Well, I think we'll limit it. You know, four emails in the main show, over four, we do an in off the post. How does that sound? Yeah, absolutely perfect. Good Good on you. Jonathan, you've been absolutely tremendous as always. Really enjoyed it tonight. Uh, Great stuff. Looking forward to Friday already. Uh, You lot uh, who have been listening, I love love and thanks to you lot, particularly the people in Mixler who have stuck with us. Still loads of them in there. It's brilliant, isn't it? Anyway, thank you for listening. See you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! Up the chills!
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Normally being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.